you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball five days a week. And this episode of Locked on Mizzou is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. And earlier this morning, I did, well, what was co- I would call maybe a, a half of a crossover episode because Jimmy Stein from Locked on Bama invited me to join his radio show down in 99.5 FM in Mobile, Alabama called Inside the Crimson Tide, which frankly has a nice ring to it. I like that title. And I will play that entire segment for you on this program, but first let's get to some more recent Missouri news that I haven't quite been able to cover on this program, including the fact that two more Missouri players are opting out for this season. Both of them are St. Louis guys, in fact. An offensive lineman, Jack Buford, and a wide receiver, C.J. Bone. Now, neither guy was certainly on the first string or anybody that I was expecting to contribute in a gigantic way here, but I guess the bottom line is is Missouri is now down to approximately 65 scholarship players. And I say approximately because, well, who knows what's going to happen still between now and Saturday. And for as much as we've discussed the offensive line on this show, apparently there's another position on that offensive line, a specialist that we should be worried about because Eli Drinkwitz has informed us that Missouri does have availability questions for its long snapper. Now, availability questions is about as vague of a way you could say that, say that somebody may not play a game. So does that mean he's injured? Does that mean he may have been contact traced as well and we're possibly trying to get a negative test for the kid? Frankly, who knows? I know a lot of these guys are going to be tested today. I guess the whole team will be tested today. So perhaps we'll have some better information come Friday. But you know what? Speaking of good information, a lot of that has been tough to come by, especially when it comes to Missouri receiver Damon Hazleton. Again, the graduate transfer from Virginia Tech. Well, finally, Eli did reveal that the injury that he had been battling through throughout camp was a hamstring injury. But the good news is he is expected to start on Saturday against the Crimson Tide. So that's good news, but I am a little bit worried that, you know, again, soft tissue injuries, always something that can linger and flare back up. So unfortunately, if if Damon Hazleton is not 100% for this week, and certainly if he's not 100% for this whole season, that's going to be a big blow to the receiving core, one would certainly expect. As far as I can tell, Missouri has been the most open among the SEC teams as far as putting out numbers of guys that they think have tested positive or contact traced. I swear I will get contact trace right one of these days. But seriously, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said that he's still in the quote, hold my breath moment in terms of actually getting these football games going on Saturday. And honestly, if Missouri really is the worst, well, then we shouldn't be that worried about it. 67 guys, I think we'll still 
Eli Drinkwood sounded a little worried about meeting that offensive line minimum, but I think we'll get there. I really do. I think we'll play football. I'm just saying if Sankey really is holding his breath still, does that tell us that maybe he has some inside knowledge that more of these programs have more tests and contact traces than maybe they originally thought? I don't know. Just an interesting bit of speculation, perhaps. But you know what? On the more concrete side of things, Missouri defensive coordinator Ryan Walters all but confirmed what a lot of us had already started noticing just with the positional classifications on the defense. And that's that Missouri's base defense is going away from the traditional 4-3 or 4-2-5, just four defensive linemen style defense that they've had for for quite some time, frankly, into more of a, a sort of hybrid three-down defensive lineman, base shell type defense. And frankly, I'm a little bit relieved to hear that, to, to know that we are going to that type of defense, because I think that makes the defensive ends that we've recruited in this 2021 class make a lot more sense to me. It's something I actually speculated with when Kyron Montgomery committed. I think a lot of you listened to that episode. It was one of my most downloaded. So, And my point on Kyron Montgomery was I loved his size and strength and his motor, but not exactly the quickest first step I've ever seen in terms of pass rushing and just not a lot of explosive pass rush moves or anything like that were seen on film. But like I said, if you're going to more of a 3-4 style defense where those defensive ends, quote-unquote, aren't really the end of the defense – no, you have a stand-up pass rusher on your outside, well, then you don't need to be as explosive. In fact, you need to be more of a run defender and take up space. So I thought, okay, if this is the direction we're going, then Kyron Montgomery actually really, really fits this style of defense from the very little that I saw of him in high school. Also, quick shout-out to former Missouri middle linebacker Cale Garrett, who was cut by the Tennessee Titans in fall camp, but ended up just recently signing with the Minnesota Vikings. So good for him. Maybe he'll be on the practice squad for a while, or maybe, who knows, Minnesota has looked pretty terrible so far. So who knows, maybe maybe he'll be able to get on the field sooner rather than later. My prediction from the beginning was that Cale Garrett was going to be a tough guy to keep off of an NFL roster, despite being undrafted. And, well, here we are. Here's to a long and successful career to Cale Garrett. All right, and before I get to my radio spot down in Mobile, Alabama, with Inside the Crimson Tide, I do want to remind you all about rockauto.com. Because The Rock says you have to go to rockauto.com. Yes, that's right. Dwayne Johnson is the founder of rockauto.com. And that's what, wait, what's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm being told that is absolutely false and I should stop this insanity right now. But what is an insanity is going to rockauto.com because frankly, you're going to pay a lot more, whether it's at the dealership or at some auto parts storefront, traditional store like advance or whoever. Yes. At rockauto.com, they don't have any of this brick and mortar nonsense. So they're able to just ship you whatever parts you could possibly need at the lowest 
possible price. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts you could possibly get for your vehicle and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. And now, without further ado, my appearance on Inside the Crimson Tide 99.5 FM in Mobile with Jimmy Stein and Randy Kennedy. Welcome back. Sports Talk 99.5. Randy Kennedy, Jimmy Stein. This is Inside the Tide. We're talking Alabama football. And, of course, in order to do that, we got to talk Missouri football. And right now we're going to talk to John Miller, one of the real authorities on Missouri football. He does Inside Mizzou. And he joins us right now. Hey, John, thanks for taking a couple of minutes for us. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Man, we are glad to have you on. So how excited are folks to uh, seeing the Alabama Crimson Tide roll into town? Well, we're excited for football. I don't know how excited we are to see you all. It'll depend on the final <laughs> score. But, you know, when, when we're 27-point underdogs in our opening game, you know, we're excited for football. Let's put it that way. It's COVID-19. I'll, we'll take what we can get at this point. So before we talk specific about the Alabama-Missouri game, just tell me the general outlook. First-year coach, obviously, everybody with a first-year coach is a little bit behind the eight ball, but what's the general thought about Missouri football in 2020? Well, you know, I think long-term, I think we're all very optimistic about Eli Drinkwitz for the most part, but... For 2020, I don't know how you can be overly optimistic about this season. Like you say, anytime there's a new coach, that's a big challenge on top of everything that we've all lived through in these last few months that's affected college football as well. Plus, on top of that, you're unsettled at quarterback, and Missouri is very, very unsettled at the offensive line spot right now. In fact, Missouri just released its first depth chart a few days ago, and their starting left tackle is named Zeke Powell. Now, you guys know exactly as much about Zeke Powell as I do, is my point in bringing his name up. So that kind of tells you all you need to know about the offensive line situation at Missouri right now. And we've got questions at receiver, too. A lot more answers on the defensive side of the ball right now for the Tigers. Hey, John, thanks for being on the show today. Uh, speaking of the defensive side of the ball, uh, I like to say this is my ultimate compliment because Nick Saban, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm biased, but uh, but Nick Saban may be the greatest college football coach of all time. He's built a dynasty at Alabama. I consider this the ultimate compliment. I watch Missouri linebacker Nick Bolton. I watch him play and say, you know what? Nick Bolton can play for Nick Saban. I mean, he's that good. Why don't you, you, you introduce the, uh, the Alabama audience to, uh, to Nick Bolton? We know for whatever reason, Nick Bolton, like a lot of Missouri linebackers of recent years, like for instance, Sean Weatherspoon, a kid who was totally under the, excuse me, totally under the radar in terms of the national recruiting services, but has ultimately turned out to be a guy who's probably a potential first round draft pick here. And it's not as though he's not, it's not as though he's a slow player, lacks explosive athleticism, but He's a really smart young man and just has a nose for the football at that weak side linebacker position. Missouri generally going to play two linebackers, and he'll be the weak side guy. You know, and that just playing that weak side position sort of speaks to his ability to be all over the field, I would think. But yeah, Nick Bolton, heck of a player, no doubt about it. 
another star player for Missouri on defense. There's a few. This defense was really, really good a year ago. Uh, it, was, it was really statistically and eyeballs one of the top five defenses in the league a year ago. Uh, Colby Whiteside, uh, who's an interior defensive lineman, defensive lineman, great player. Why don't you tell us about, uh, about Kobe? Well, yeah, just first, really quickly, I mean, considering how bad Missouri's offense was last year, that defense might have even been better statistically than what it was, really, when you think about it. Because at a certain point, when you have a bad offense, you just kind of give out defensively, emotionally, and just, I mean, in terms of real football, too. But to Kobe Whiteside, you know, I think... He was extremely productive last year next to another extremely productive defensive tackle in Jordan Elliott, who's now with the Cleveland Browns. And Jordan was one of the highest ranked guys for pro football focus and take that for whatever it's worth. But, you know, obviously an extremely talented guy there. So the question is then, well, does Missouri have another guy to go against him to take attention away from Kobe? Will, will he be as as productive as he was last year? And I tend to think that the answer is yes, because that defensive tackle spot is maybe along with running back, probably the strength of this Missouri team, in my opinion. One other defender I wanted to ask you about, uh, Alabama doesn't lose a lot of recruiting battles, but they found a late find for them was a, was a corner from Dallas, the Dallas area, Ennis Rakestraw, and uh, Nick Saban himself, uh, being a, a longtime cornerback coach, he he doesn't miss on many uh, DVs, DBs, both evaluating them and recruiting them. But Ennis chose Missouri, I, I think, principally due to a relationship he had with Missouri's DB coach there. And uh, I noticed uh, on the Missouri depth chart that that Rakestraw was with the first team, which is impressive for a true freshman. So. Uh, what's what's the buzz there about Rakestraw? Well, the buzz is exactly that, and that that's he's a really, really good player. And I think, like you said, I think the reason Missouri was able to beat out Alabama at the last second for this kid is that longstanding relationship. Now, Rakestraw, maybe a bit of, a bit of a slight builded, a built guy even for a cornerback. So he's kind of a late bloomer, maybe physically, but it seems like the coverage skills are all there. And, and to your point, the fact that he's a true freshman and starting probably up against either Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith, I mean, two probably first-round quality draft picks there, I mean, that says something. Our defensive coordinator, Ryan Walters, said, basically, I'm paraphrasing here, he basically said, if you're going to start as a true freshman, you're not just going to barely win the job. You're going to really convincingly win the job. And since Rakestraw's done that early, that's a huge sign for his future, in my opinion. Talking to John Miller, who is the uh, host of the podcast Locked on Mizzou. That's right. Your most recent. Yeah, your most recent podcast. Uh, you had a, you dropped a lot of Missouri bombs in the last uh, in in your last podcast, and 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 one of them was was maybe a hint at uh, at who might the starting quarterback be. That's something that Eli Drinkwitz hasn't committed to. There's been a bit of a quarterback battle there, and some mystery. I'm sure y'all don't have the normal media coverage of practice like at Alabama. We've had basically zero. Right. Uh, very little was allowed before. Now it's zero, which is the the one great thing about COVID, I'm sure Nick Saban tells people probably. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, so who's going to be the starting quarterback? Is it going to be Sean Robinson or maybe uh, maybe the kid we saw a little bit last year uh, in a backup role? Yeah, Connor Basilak. Um, you know, I, I think Nick Bolton, speaking of uh, Mr. Bolton, our preseason All-American linebacker, 
I think he may have let the cat out of the bag because in this past week he had some praise for Mr. Sean Robinson, basically saying that he had all the skills that he thought to be a really good quarterback in this league. So, again, I, I brought up earlier that Bolton is a, is a smart guy. I, I think he's savvy enough that he wouldn't be trying to, I don't know, accidentally create a quarterback controversy by talking up the backup in game week. So to me, I think the assumption has been that Sean Robinson would probably be the starter, but I did really personally like what I saw from Basilak in limited action last year. So it wasn't a slam dunk to use a basketball analogy, but yeah, I think Sean Robinson at this point, if he's not, if he's not the starter for Missouri at this point, I'd be stunned. John, what are you able to gather so far about what the atmosphere is going to be like. I assume you'll be there at the game, uh, but what do you know about how it's going to look, how it's going to sound, what we're going to know is on TV, all that sort of stuff. What have you gathered? Well, you know, I, I will be there. Fortunately, I was lucky enough. My parents and I were our usual four spots. We're going to be in a little different spot this year, as many people will be, I'm sure, to adhere to the whole social distancing thing. But, you know, what really stood out to me so far, obviously it's going to be quieter in there than it would be you know you would expect a six pretty much a sellout 65,000 62,000 whatever this new setup at Faro Field holds for an Alabama opponent obviously there's going to be about 15,005 there on the other hand this is going to be the 15,500 diehards so I assume they'll make a little bit of noise on the other hand what really stood out if you happen to watch that Chiefs Chargers game from Sunday Tony Romo was pointing out a lot that last drive as the Chiefs were marching it down the field, Patrick Mahomes was able to utilize hard counts. And that's not that's something that doesn't happen on the road very often. So I think whatever home field advantage there is for Missouri or any team going forward is basically going to be travel and sort of rest and exhaustion related. It certainly isn't going to have a lot to do with the fans making it hard for you to, you know, get a dummy count, something like that. That's what's, that's the big change to me. You know, Missouri is a 27 point on 27 point underdog. You bought that up earlier in the show. Uh, difficult to answer. You're never going to get an answer from coach Drinkwitz on this, but, but John, what is a win for Missouri on Saturday? What, 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 what as, as someone, a supporter of Missouri, a fan of Missouri, what do they need to see Saturday to walk out of the stadium feeling pretty good? Yeah, that's a really good question because obviously a win is, is you know, 99.9% chance this is going to be a loss for the Tigers, I'd say. But I do think, obviously, this isn't the worst thing in the world. I wasn't one of the people who was actually upset that Alabama and LSU were added to the schedule because, again, this is basically a year zero type season for Missouri, if you will, for Eli Drinkwitz. Go out there again. Put Enos Rakestraw out there. Put some true freshmen out there. Put some guys on the back end of the depth chart who maybe you want to see something from. And by golly, you'll see something from them against this best, this SEC top tier quality of opponent. And I guess I'm not really going to look, I'm not going to say, well, if they lose by 21, that'll be acceptable. It's not really about score to me. I just want to see what Eli Drinkwitz, you know, what the play calling looks like. How prepared is this team? All that kind of stuff. And frankly, for the first game, you're mostly going to get a pass from me, especially in this really unusual season. But certainly, I've liked Eli's situational play calling when I've looked on it in the past. If he can pull some good third and three type calls that get conversions, frankly, just little things like that will make me happy. 
you mentioned true freshman. Uh, one guy I want to ask you about, uh, Chris Abrams Drain is a true freshman at Missouri. He's from our local area, Spanish Ford, is a, a suburb of, of Mobile. So we're, we're all very familiar with Chris Abrams Drain, who quarterbacked Spanish Ford to a state title game a year ago. He's playing wide receiver. Uh, I, I noticed on the depth chart he's listed as a kick returner. Are, are, are folks in, uh, in Columbia high on Chris Abrams Drain? Well, I'm not sure if folks in Columbia are, but Jimmy, but they are because, or I am, I should say, because frankly, you brought him up on my show a few months ago when I was talking about some guys from your recruiting <laughs> area. And, you know, you were saying that you thought Chris Abrams Drain was a guy who could see the field as a true freshman. And by golly, that's a win for Jimmy Stein, everybody. Uh, you know, I, I think he might see the field. One. Yeah. Well, you guys win enough, to be fair, down in, that, down in Tide country. But no, seriously, I, I think uh, Abrams Drain is a guy who could see the field as a slot receiver, possibly. But again, just the fact that Eli trusts him as a true freshman to go back there and return punts. Like, to me, the punt return position is sneakily one of the most important positions on the field because all it takes in a close football game is one muffed punt often to flip a football game. Punt returning, is, it's just crazy to me when, when I look out there at, at the highest level at, 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 in SEC football or NFL football. I can't imagine what it's like to try to field a ball that's 60, 80 feet in the air, so your eyes have to be straight up right. and watch the ball into your hands while 11 trained killers are bearing down on you as fast as they can run to wipe you out. It, it, it is a crazy position to play. I, I think, I've said this forever, some of the best athletes in the world are punt returners in the SEC and the NFL. I totally agree with everything you just said. I've always been kind of mind blown by the punt return position. I, I, if I were back there, I guarantee I'd be fair catching every single one of those things. <laughs> John, we appreciate you, man. Uh, great stuff. You definitely have your uh, finger on the pulse of Missouri sports. All right. Thank you for joining me once again here on Locked on Mizzou. Again, I'll see you all Saturday after the game for the best doggone podcast recap in Mizzou football. So until then, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.